Oh, I'm so excited. Look, look right here in the room together. Together. And 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 all the Twitter with our, our guest coming to join us. Um, we don't mean that literally. We are not on Twitter and there is nothing on Twitter about us. A Twitter. A Twitter, it's different. It's oh, okay. Different. Yeah. You're using and, and the like, old English. And and just very excited because you just informed me that um that that because our special guest Joe Orla is joining us. We we're up from yesterday's what a hundred and eighty uh, Instagram followers to now we have nine thousand. No, I, I I I misread that. I I thought we suddenly thought we had suddenly nine thousand followers today. Oh, uh, but we didn't we didn't make that jump. Uh, that didn't happen. It'll happen after tonight's show. We did get some new followers recently. That's nice. Um, so we do have an Instagram account that we that we're very proud of. I think it's it's an entertaining addition to our show. If you yeah, if you watch the show, well, you you do the great graphics for it. Well, I do, I do the graphics. I think if they're great, that's not for me to say. But thank you. It's for me to say. You didn't say it. I said it. I said thank they're you. great. Thank you. I think they're spectacular. Um, and uh, I have fun doing that. Um. We got a great show tonight. This we is have a great. great show tonight. But before we get to that, how are you? Oh, I'm terrible. I'm awful. Um, you look I've like been it's on three a, degrees in your apartment. It's freezing right in here. I'm cold. Um, we're on this health kick, so I'm not really eating sugar or like the kind of sugar that I find adequate or that I would describe as eating sugar. <laughs> I don't think I want to talk to you. I don't know if I want to know you. Um, Anna, I'm challenged. I like, uh, I like things about it, but right now I just, I'm like having a freak out about wanting, um, like chocolate cake, just something stupid like that. So I shouldn't tell you about the great chocolate brownies that I have that my friend Kathy baked and sent to me. Well, dark, I think, uh, with dark chocolate chips in. No, God, don't, don't say a word about that. Okay. Well, but I could tell you about the, um, the roasted butternut the ro curry roasted butternut squash soup that I made. Yeah. yeah. You could tell me about that. Yeah. When you start telling me about that, what did you put in there? Some rosemary? No, just a roasted butternut squash. I roasted a butternut squash and an onion and then uh, put it into the blender with chicken stock. What are you doing with your hands right now? I'm showing you. Well, oh, that's blender. an inversion blender. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a subversion. <laughs> No, it wasn't the. It was the ninja. I put it in the ninja in the big thing in the ninja. I put it. Oh, in the it thing. looked like you were poking something into a. It looked like you were using a mortar and pestle. Yeah. <laughs> looked like you were spatchcocking a chicken. I don't know what happened. <laughs> that is not. That is not how I made the soup. Anyway, uh, curry powder, a little butter, a little uh, bit of uh, garlic. Um, and then uh, finished it with a, a little bit of heavy cream to give it some nice wow. body. Yeah. And it, it's uh, quite good. I have a lot of leftovers, so I'll be enjoying it for a couple of days. If it was that, how, how, if it's that good, how much leftovers really would there be? Well, it was just me alone. It was a big, oh, okay. lot of, more, more, more soup than I could eat by myself at one sitting. You didn't get uncomfortably stuffed. You just no. let, you stopped at the point where it was like, I'm full. I've had enough. I had a nice salad, a nice, uh, piece of bread that i dipped into my soup you, it's interesting you say this a nice salad it's really all anybody ever much says about salad 
That's a nice salad. It's a nice salad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a nice salad. A nice salad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all you have. And and you so you're eating you're eating, you know, vegan stuff you don't want to talk about. I'm not eating vegan stuff. I'm just literally like I'm not eating a lot of sugar. I, I I we we were bad over the lockdown and um we ate we ate I ate many things I should not have eaten many you times. You were bad over the lockdown. You say well, that like it's over and and now you're out and running around. Um comparatively to lockdown <laughs> 1, I'm yeah. running around. Like okay. I'm talking about the first year where it was just like basically don't leave the house, cover yourself in olive oil, do it, you know, all these weird <laughs> things you're supposed to do. And um, I, I just developed a role. I mean, that was my crutch was was eating a ton of sweets, and yeah. ice cream and stuff. And I don't really drink much anymore. Like, it's not the thing I I, I miss it. I wish I did because I liked it, but I just get headaches. What are you going to do when my booze comes out? I'm going to deal with it. You're I'm going to suck have, it up. You're going to have to suck it up and drink yeah. some of the booze. Well, I've, I've already made that exception. Uh, okay. I've had, I, you know, I can have a drink or two. It's just like, not like the old days. Okay. Anyway, this like is boring. Days. Who cares about my health kick? Okay. All right. What are you watching then? You're Ooh. watching anything? What'd you see this week? I mean, aside from the, the movie that we're going to talk about. Well, let me see. Let me consult my journal. Your Bujo? Yes, I'm looking at it right now. I'm not going to show you my Bujo journal, but I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, we watched a lot of weird stuff this year so far, and I, I already told you about some of the stuff that I've seen. But I did. we did see, did I tell you about the, we did, like, here's a comfort zone thing. Like, there was a lot of ice cream and cake. Sometimes what we call here at the house cake bowl, which would just be like, you know, cake, cake and maybe some other stuff. In a movie. <laughs> cake bowl and a movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we saw um, one of my guilty pleasures is, is watching um, like 80s and 90s TV movies, which okay. they stream on some services. And we watched um, we watched a movie called Mother May I Sleep with Danger uh, with Tori Spelling. Oh, my God. I want to see that. That... I keep thinking about. I keep referencing it. It's it's pretty great. Mother, may I sleep with danger? We might have yeah. to do that on the show. It's available. We might, we might have to have a TV movie month on the show. I think that's a great idea. Okay. There's a lot of weird stuff there. A lot of weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I know it's the modern equivalent of like watching, you know, cable access back in like right. 1989. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, but some, you know, some cool people did that. So, okay. What are you doing? How are you? Enough about me. Oh, this week has just been, uh, we, um, we have to meet with our liquor license lawyers on Friday. This week has been full blown getting documents together. I just running every morning I wake up and I have a plan of the things I'm going to do for the day. And it gets shot to hell with dealing with legal matters and ordering uh who knew that ordering corks for your bottles and tamper evident shrink capsule ways to you don't want to hear about it, it it's just been crazy crazy time getting ah. this stuff launched but uh but we are making tremendous tremendous headway so 
but that's I, I work until I, I can't stare at the computer screen and look at numbers anymore. And then I sit down and I, I watch an episode of Vera, mm. the, the British detective show with the incredible Brenda Blethyn, which is just... She is great. She is great. And this show is... You know, it's funny. Dad's often talked about one of the things that um, he doesn't like about TV series. And I think... Um, I think he might be talking mostly about like those those older American TV shows. He says, you know, the characters don't change. They don't change. You, they don't grow. They don't develop. And 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 a lot of times that's true, particularly in older shows, you know, like the Rockford Files. Jim Rockford was Jim Rockford. There wasn't this ongoing development of the character. But that's that's changed in recent years with some shows where characters go through changes. But on this show, uh Brenda Bleffen and this character, Vera, her her uh, progression and evolution throughout the seasons is you come to really care about her and her struggles and and her 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 growth. And she's got this partner, a younger a younger sergeant who's her partner, who. um who who at first you feel like he's putting up with her and then you see no they're they're really close and he he chips away at her he chips away at her and gets her to to open up and and come to life in a really beautiful way it's really worth watching what's it called again vera v-e-r-a it's her name okay and so what uh, if i what if i do see it what if what then if you see it, I think you you might enjoy it. All right, because she does she does amazing work on it. Um, she's fantastic. So maybe I, I will check that out. I and one thing that's on been the... fun is I've been I've been for the past year I've been so getting into the British uh, British shows that now they're starting to be like American shows where you're like, oh, I've seen that guy before. Yeah, oh, I've yeah. Seen her before you know, I'm starting to get to know those the people who are that guy mm-hmm. or that that gal in england the way we get to know them in america right and it's really fun saying oh i saw him on on silent witness or i saw her on uh, line of duty it is really fun have yeah. you seen i know i mentioned this i think probably last week but um uh did you see bloods yet that's another it's a british comedy that i, I half hour no comedy. i haven't i don't like to laugh um then uh okay I, then we should move on i like to drink and get dark then may i recommend being the ricardos <laughs> no please don't <laughs> i have heard i have heard that that 17 hours of your life that you're never gonna, you're not get, gonna get back at now yeah um wow wow there you go um, um and i just ended my career uh so there you have it um well, I guess we should, you know, we've got a guest in the wing, so we should start talking about this movie so that we can get to him. At some uh, point. I think he's going to have things to say. I think he's probably, you know, champing at the bit to to uh, to probably get on here and start talking about all the things we've been talking about. God, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you, man. I you love said, you, too. You said champing at the bit, and and that just makes my heart go i mean you have no idea what that means to me that you would say champing 
Well, I'm it's, curious it's, why that, why, because I said it on purpose, actually, as a nod to my friend, uh, Jacob. Yeah, well, you know what so many, and perhaps maybe most people say these days, is they say chomping at the bit, which is like driving an ice pick through my ear to hear somebody say chomping at I heard somebody say chomping at the bit on NPR, and I wanted to to take back all of my donations because they said that. I Now, I don't actually know the, which is correct, so I don't Ch know. Champing. Is champing is, is the right one? Champing I took a correct. wild stab in the dark. Because chomping means like to, you know, bite down hard on something, mm -hmm. to chomp on it. Champing is that thing that the horses do when they're... When, when they're, they're biting down. their mouth like... No, when they're like trying to get the bit out oh, of their oh. mouth. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's a different it's a different motion. It's a different thing. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. I yeah, did man. I I had to make apologies on the podcast I do the other podcast I do yesterday because I I messed stuff up and I I said things that were wrong. And people well, people told me that I, I was wrong and I I had to make an apology. Yeah. You you and, this, um, you just scored like you scored eighteen thousand on the SATs because okay. you said A champing accidental. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. You get you credit know, for it in my it, book. It's a line from that short film that I did with the, my friends in Steel Drum, Jacob and Trish, Jacob A. Ware, ah. Trish Harnitzo, and he says something about a bit, and I, it's champing or chomping, and uh, I don't know. I thought it was going to be funnier than this. Well. You did great. Thank you. Um, so tonight's movie, Deep Impact, 1998. What was your relationship to this movie? My relationship to this movie was interesting because I believe I I was already friendly with Joe, our guest, uh... when I saw it. If I didn't see it with him, uh, then I was around during that part of his life. So I know kind of about it, um, a little bit about it. Uh, I saw it in the theater, and I haven't seen it since. I've seen scenes from it in, you know, disaster movie compilations and stuff like that. Okay. How about you? No relationship. None. I, I, I didn't see it. Um... You kind of sound knew. like you're denying it's ex like you did see it. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. And I'm protesting too much. You're like, I did no, not see it. I didn't see it. I, I didn't see it when it came out. I didn't really know much about it. Um, I it's like, oh, yeah, it's one of those disaster movies. That's all. It, it didn't. It wasn't on my radar. Um, you do, I'm surprised that you didn't go to disaster movies, that they weren't a thing. They were like, hey, let's let's go. Let's go do that. No, you know me. I'm all maudlin uh, romance and uh, detectives. There's there's all of that in these movies, though. There's everything in these movies. There's those there's rom coms. There's there's maudlin romance. There's tech high tech espionage. All of those things are in these movies. Some of them. Okay. There wasn't a lot of that in this movie. No, I didn't say a lot. I said there is in it is in there. Oh, okay. In some form or capacity. In some form or capacity. Okay. I um, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and say that I appreciated the movie more this time than I did the first time I saw it. 
I, I well, I would have to say the same because I had no relationship to it right. before, and now I do. Right. So, yeah, you could say anything like that, but I can I, only I can say I of the two of us, I think I liked it better this time. Um, what do you have any awareness of what the reception was for this movie when it came out? I really don't. I mean, I I just assumed it was kind of a a, a medium sized hit. I, I know it didn't. I don't think it took over the universe. I'll um, bet somebody can tell us. I'll bet somebody we know. Oh, somebody has the stats, I'm sure. Might be able to tell yeah. us a little bit about how this movie was received. Well, you know, um, I'm anxious to hear what he says. I, I, I think he's going to be able to tell us exactly how much money it made. I don't do that kind of research, Matthew. I, I, I do a deeper, more bizarre dive into things than to just know how much money they made anybody can look that up Ooh, okay that made just made me feel this big no and, I'm, uh, you do you do your own weird thing no, i haven't huh? done that yet i just you know we're this show is developing and we've been trying to come up with weekly things that we should cover and i'm wondering if one of the things we we might want to cover is what the reception was when it came out versus what the feeling is now because there are some movies that when they come out are reviled or or not very popular and then age really well. Well, I hear you, and I think that's a good idea. And we do that sometimes because sometimes we just know the answer to that. But we should research it. So I we'll be more knowledgeable. Yet. No, what you're saying is you want to give more to the people who are watching the show. And I'm 100% behind that idea. We should do more. It's the new year <laughs> and a new... There are new responsibilities. We are here to serve you better. Um, yeah. I don't want Joe to get. I don't. He's he is champing at the bit to get on here. I know. Well, let's bring him on. Let's bring him on so he can help uh, help unpack this. Tony's very very good friend and my acquaintance. <laughs> Only because we haven't spent as much time together, Joe Erla. <laughs> he's a heartwarming uh, man isn't he it's just no, so it warms that, the mean that i don't like you i just mean no. that i haven't spent the time with you i just mean i just Hart. mean that in the first second of the show matthew has to explain that he didn't mean that he doesn't like you yeah I just, I was, I was <laughs> that's all i'm saying um hello hello welcome welcome thank you thank you now, I, I, I feel like right off the bat, I just want to say Deep Impact actually got fairly decent reviews. Okay. However, it still got its butt kicked from in, a box, in the box office uh, by Armageddon, which was a similar movie that came out at the same time. I, I do uh, kind of remember that. There were rival, there were rival yeah. asteroid comet movies. Yeah. And the, yeah. So it's it was real, sort of like... ER versus Chicago Hope. Um, uh, you know, there's so much to unpack or unimpact about this, but uh, you know, I, 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 we could get started with that whole. Well, let's get started with how are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Um, I'm happy and uh, and and freezing cold. Um, where are we? Where are you? I mean, if you don't, we, if you wanted to get down to business and just be businesslike about it, we can. But I'd rather just kind of. 
ease into this, say, where are we talking to you from or where are you right now? He's outside of New York. Uh, Could you New York. give us an address, a specific address? <laughs> Just a street corner would be fine. Well, I'm, I'm somewhere north of you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what county? Just give us a county. I'm in Lower Westchester. We just, have, we just have to keep them on the line for 20 seconds, Matthew. That's all we have to do. They'll get a trace. Have they got them? Have they got them? Um, and there's nothing nothing I like more than uh, reviewing my work from when I was very young and handsome. It's really Were you younger in this? This was, I was, I was amazing. I, I think Tony will, will attest I was quite a looker. I had, I got notes on that, on that, on just on that. No, but it was, uh, um, that was 1998 or 1997 when we shot it. So yeah, it was uh, quite a while ago. Um, so, a quarter of a century younger. You yeah, were then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, did, did we, I mean, this, did we see it together when it came out? Is there any way that oh, may have yeah. happened? don't know it's it's theoretically possible tony i mean you went to probably the premiere am i am i wrong yeah there was some kind of event um there was something happened way back when it was right before i left for left los angeles to come back to new york city in a um, state, but, you know, whatever. i um, think that you know uh you and i i think we went to see it here in the city together and and you went again and we went together that's my memory of it anyway. yeah that's probably right uh, it was, uh, so neither time will I be able to be completely honest that we discuss it. Look, it's like you. I remember when I first saw it. I was uh, slightly horrified, uh, and, but my affection for disaster movies has increased over the years. I, I actually now I really really love them. I even love the really really preposterous ones. I love earthquake films where you know the the where the, the family races back to get the dog, you know, to risk life and limb to get the family dog, yeah. you know, into the right. car. I, I love that stuff. It's, it's, it's... Well, we're doing a month of disaster movies here on the show, yeah. and we did Poseidon Adventure last week. You movie. must be a fan of that movie. What, what a movie. What a movie. But I'm really, I want to talk about Deep Impact. We, we don't, we have nowhere near enough time to talk about everything <laughs> that's going on. A deep Impact, there's so much to tell about this movie. There was so much controversy during the shoot. There was so much... Well, what, what, what is on. the controversy? I mean, what possible what controversy? controversy? But the real... Okay, you want to get into it? You want to talk about that? We should, well, we I mean, should I, have I, a... Well, okay, first of all, let me just say, I played Ira Muscatel, the business reporter for MSNBC. That was my part. I worked The Jew. The Jew. Apparently, I was. I did. I, I played Jews and Cubans. It was the yeah. So and and Ira. What, so I was in the office with Taya Leone, the lead, and so there were lots of reaction shots. I was there to to basically be someone the audience could connect to while receiving the information that the Earth is ever that life on Earth is going to end. So they would cut to my face, and I would look all emotional. And they did that like four or five, six times, and that's the end of the movie. Um, although the real story of Deep Impact is is related to Armageddon because the script for Deep Impact, while we were shooting, underwent so many changes they ran out of colors. You know what I mean? How the script changes the point? Oh yeah, yeah. They ran out of colors. They had to recycle. They went through. It was astonishing. So you got to Goldenrod 
part two. We got the Goldenrod two. Goldenrod two. It was. It was for the, people who don't know what that is. Uh, can you explain what that means, Joe? Because well, not everybody a, might know. There's the white pages. Then yeah. there's the blue pages. Then there's the green pages. Then there's the the canary pages. I understand. Okay. When there was a rewrite, the new pages would be a different color so that the actors and the crew and everybody would understand, you know, we're doing the blue pages today. Well, because Armageddon was being rapidly written across town and was going to, was just beginning its production at the same time as we were shooting, there was a lot of scuttlebutt. I mean, it's all anybody talked about in the makeup chair, in the trailers, on the set in between sh you know, shots. We were just all, it was obsessive, this talk about what was in that script and what was gonna be, what was in our script, because the changes were coming on a daily basis. The, the, to try to stay ahead of them and to try to not repeat. And as it turned out, if you saw both movies, you'd see that Armageddon basically stole huge things from Deep Impact. In fact, the lead writer for Deep Impact, um, what's his name, it was Bruce, Bruce Rubin, in fact, believes that, that it was actual theft. He was having lunch, and he was talking about this script that he was developing for DreamWorks and Paramount, and there was a Disney person there, and he believes that that Disney person took notes and immediately sold the idea to Disney because it's kind of shocking. They have very, very, very similar approaches to to taking out the comet, and and both of them are equally stupid in the same way, you know. So it's it's kind of. I amazing. don't know. I think that there are energies in the universe, <laughs> and and patterns of of psychic, uh, you know, Joseph Campbellian, uh, uh, you know the uh, cosmic like, subconscious that that these that. things happen yeah they can just happen, just happen. comment movies and two i'm sorry i don't know what i was talking about just uh, then um <laughs> it was professor zeitgeist <laughs> well, it was a it was a big it was a big deal there were big things that happened uh related to script changes so when you're there, talking about the controversy you're talking about the the rivalry with armageddon which was this other giant movie that was getting produced yeah, it's just it's just there was a palpable sense of urgency to get the film in the can to beat them to the to the to the theaters uh there was a real worry on the set that the film that opened first was going to take all the the box office and then the second movie would would crash and as it turned out that wasn't the case because we opened two months before they did, and Deep Impact was like three hundred and fifty million dollar movie, which was huge. On a budget of eighty million, they made three fifty. And Armageddon had Disney, so it had budget of like one hundred and forty million, and it and got terrible reviews. Opened two months after us, but it had Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis. It's, pretty, it's a very handsome man. So we made that made 550 plus million dollars. It was a huge yeah, but he's not as handsome as the young Joe Erla. I'm it, sorry, yeah. he's not. Oh, he, but they kill you, kill me. So, so how did this translate down to you? This pressure on the set, act faster. Were they, you know, did you have to? Well, the way it translated to me, um, 
gets back to, uh, um, you know, look, my, I wasn't like, I wasn't, wasn't the lead in the movie, but my character Ira and Moskowitz had had a lot of really fun stuff going on, and then, and the, and the, he was had a key mo moment, you know, really, you know, these disaster movies, uh, are, Deep Impact is really not actually about um, a comet destroying the Earth. It, it doesn't. The comet doesn't end up destroying the Earth. The Earth gets hit by a portion of the comet, which then leads to a massive tidal wave and, and a lot of people die. But what the movie really is about and how it is different from our Armageddon is that it's really about who's gonna live and why. And if in the face of an extinction level event, choices have to be made. And some people make it on the helicopter to safety and some people don't. Some people, some of the, the movies about the separation of children from their families over and over and over again. This is why I think Tony, Tony referring to it as an, an extinction level soap opera. I don't know what you said. It was I, I call it an extinction, an extinction level melodrama. It's, it's, oh, melodrama. It's, it's unbelievable how many babies are separated from their mother or their father in this movie. It just pummels you in the heart or tries to over and well over and with over. that with that pitch that's i can't believe I you guys made the money that you did to be <laughs> honest no but that's what i want to you just said something that i want to zero in on you said it pummels you in the heart yeah. or it tries to yeah it tries and, to because sometimes they're more successful than others i, you know, I don't think that the blind astronaut saying goodbye to the baby he never knew is all that effective it's just a little too much the fact that he's blind However, that's the scene that i did get a tear in my eye not not yeah. that moment but but that whole lineup of them saying goodbye i did like get a that? tear in my eye. Yeah. but there are so there are missed opportunities galore in this movie Probably. we we do not get the the helicopter on the roof of the embassy in saigon shot in this movie you well, know well, you do. You do get when the baby, when Taya Leone, at one point, Taya Leone grabs a baby out of the arms of uh, the character that Laura Innes played. I can't remember the character's name, but she grabs the baby and she runs to the helicopter. And we think, oh, my God, she's stealing this woman's baby. And then only to then sacrifice herself. Yeah, but that's not Roll the, the baby. Yeah, but that's the not the reaction. That's that is that is but, the Saigon moment, you know. But that's not the re no, because that's not the reaction I had when she takes the baby. Because Laura Innes's reaction to it is, "You're saving my baby." There was no people hanging, you know. That was no, that was heart wrenching. Water. And then there's the twist of her giving up her seat. Yeah. But it's it's not. Oh, I'm doing anything I can to survive. That moment was, I'm going to survive, and I'll let your you know your baby survive with me. It's it's it goes for very uh, for the, the, it was it was a repetitive choice in that moment, and then also when the the parents. I want to give a shout out to actors whose names I had forgotten. Denise um, Crosby. Denise Crosby, Gary Wentz. Gary Oh, Wentz. yeah, man. It was so Robert. great to see him. Dude is awesome 
And, and the, I believe that family, Lily Sobieski, the young girlfriend of Frodo, of, of uh, he's not, now, not now, 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 now. Um, Lily Sobieski is the girlfriend of Elijah Woods before he became Frodo. This movie launched him. And he, and he's their, he's their, their boyfriend and girlfriend. They get married, <laughs> they get married. And then he goes through probably the most implausible trip ever taken by a 13 or 14 or 14 year old kid. He leaves his family, right? Again, a child leaving their family at the safe place at the art. I, I did that. I did. And that. then he hitches a ride with Mexican farm workers on a truck. Did it. And then did he it. must have stolen a bicycle and did rides it. a bicycle and then gets to his home and unlocks a road bike, which is completely full of gas, amazingly, because, you know, everybody leaves their bike full of gas. And he rides this motorcycle through the endless sea of cars and vans and completely impossibly finds Lily and her family in yeah. that sea of cars. It, it, it is not the most believable but. But, and then, you just described and then, the summer when I was 13 years old. So Gary, you know. Gary Wentz and 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 his wife they 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 force Lily to get on the back of the bike and put the baby, strap a baby to her chest, and and say goodbye to her. And I and I gotta say, in I don't think I've ever seen a disaster movie with a moment that effective. I think it's because Gary is so there emotionally it just it just it's heart-wrenching it's amazing it's, he, he does a great job the mother does a great job lily does a great job uh, elijah woods does a, does a great job with that with that moment i mean these are really seriously successful scenes that's a, a really successful scene. for you know uh, for me there's um it's it, it's always interesting when you there's always an actor that'll show up and you kind of gauge the temperature on the set and the room and maybe what how seriously this was taken by their work a little bit, you know? And Duval was that person for me in this. Um not that he not that he phones it in or is known to phone it in, but I mean he was um he was kind of notably on point, I felt like in this movie. Um I don't know if you felt that way, but I thought he was um he was working in a in a really different mode. Like he had a he had a real yeah. sensitive quality to him, um, which you don't see in a lot of his performances. Like he was very kind of uh, kind of seemed like an open hearted guy, and yeah, and, um, he seems really available. Not a tough guy, really. Not a rough yeah. guy like he usually plays. Yeah. And um, and to see him to see him show up and 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 really take seriously that that character and that in, yeah. those interactions with Ron Eldard. Yeah, I, I don't know if. But you didn't obviously work with Duval in this movie because he's in outer space and you're you're on Earth. But I wonder if you feel like him signing on. I guess Morgan Freeman would have had that impact at that time too, of like this this the the, the seriousness of it. It's like oh wow, this is really this is a real movie. This isn't this isn't you know a hack job here. This yeah. is like we're 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 aiming at something for something that's yeah. you know um, trying to be. Not importance the wrong word because it isn't the one the one thing it's a lot of things this movie but it isn't um full of itself it's not it's not um you know uh 
trying to teach you lessons or overly moralize at you or you know what I mean? It seems to yeah. be pretty, pretty honest um, or tempting to be for a big movie like this. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, Amy Leader, who directed it, um, her mo her biggest experience with Ben directing ER. She was a television director. Yeah, also Hill Street Blues and stuff. Oh, yeah. She goes way back, yeah. So she, she's a really wonderful human being. I mean, she's, she's probably the nicest human being that, that that I met in Hollywood, you know. Really? Oh, wow. She's a gem of a person and, and you know, and, and <clears throat> I have a, I had an experience with her uh, uh, on my last day on the set that was just, that stays with me forever. She was, she was so kind to me and, uh, and I, and I think that she put her heart, her point of view or her person came through in the way those scenes were directed. Mm -hmm. And I also think that Deep Impact was decided at some point during the show, They during the shoot, they went, we're going for the heartstrings. You know, we're not going to have a hero movie. We're going to go for the heartstrings. That's going to be our movie, right? We're going to have a heartstring pulling movie. You know, that's what we're going to do. And so that theme began to be the dominant theme in, in, in the script as it developed. Well, that's the she, I mean, I think she's a spectacular director. I think she's an amazing director. Oh, and I yeah. can see what she, what her work in this movie. But I think she was really underserved by the script. Wow. Yeah. It changed so much. I mean, oh my God. Can I please tell that story? So you have no idea what happened in that movie. It's beyond, Tony, you may have, I may have told you this. So. No, no, we, yeah. we don't want, we don't bring our guests on okay. to tell inside yeah. stories. We don't, right. we don't so, want to hear. We don't want to hear any scoops. No. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. no, of course we want to hear this story. Tell the story. We had, my character, like I said, my character had, had in the movie, there's a, there was a big scene where we had to pick straws because the helicopter that was going to take us, the workers at MSNBC awake, there wasn't enough room on the helicopter. So okay, you're coming to one of my two favorite moments in the entire movie. <laughs> so, I had pick, so we had to go around and pick straws. And I, uh, I pick the wrong straw, whatever, the too long or too short, whatever. And I say, well, that makes sense. And I throw the straw and go away. And, and that wasn't my last scene in the original script. And it wasn't my last scene all the way until my very last day on the set. The script had in it a scene where Ira Moscatel, after realizing he's going to die, goes up into the children's playroom that is there at MSNBC's offices for the children of workers you know, to uh, have theirs and take care of their kids. And he goes in there and he plays with a child that he doesn't know. He's on the floor playing with a child that he doesn't know. And there was some line about, I never found the time to have a family. And I'm there with the kids playing when the wave comes in and kills us all, right? So you shot that? No, didn't shoot that. We were... We kept getting, everything kept getting delayed and delayed because of rewrites. And uh, I thought I was going to be doing this scene, but it wasn't on the schedule yet. And I had, in fact, booked another job that began two days after my shot, my schedule was to, was to be finished, was to finish shooting. And 
the delays pushed that picking of the straws scene back and back and uh, back and back. And finally, we hadn't shot the delay, the, the picking straw scene. And I had a 10 p.m. flight. And I came to the set with my suitcase packed to fly across country. And at 8 p.m., we still hadn't picked the straws. I hadn't picked my straw. And I had to take a 10 p.m. flight. I finally picked my straw in three consecutive takes at 8.30. And I had asked them to have a van waiting, right? Because I got to catch a 10, 10 o'clock flight, the last flight out. Why do you have to get out of there so fast? Do you have another job? I began the next morning. Okay. And so I... He was doing something at the Paper Mill Playhouse, okay, Tony? You know, worse. No, they are tough. At the <laughs> National Playwrights Conference, even less money. So... So we, and I, all day long, I was trying to get confirmation from anybody, from Mimi Leader, from anybody, whether that scene in the children's playroom was still in the movie, and nobody could tell me. Mimi was like, I just don't know. I don't know, Joe. I think, I, they, we, you see what's happening. We get new pages every day. And I said, okay, I, 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 it, once it's on the schedule, I'll fly back immediately and we'll shoot it, right? But it's not on the schedule for tomorrow, right? So it's not on the schedule for tomorrow. And uh, finally, we get to this, this, we finally pick the straw at 8.30. They check the gate. It's clean. Mimi comes up to me and she puts her hands on my cheeks. And she says, Joe, we're not going to shoot the kids' playrooms. Oh. That was your last shot. You were wonderful. Go catch a flight. <laughs> it was like... Everyone, you know, Joe Rowe is wrapped. You know, right. Everybody's clapping as I ran to the van. Yeah. You didn't and get to say goodbye viewers, to anybody. You didn't viewers. get taken out for drinks. You didn't get to do any of that stuff. And our viewers under a, under a certain age won't know what checking the gate means, but, oh, you know, right. what are you going to do? Hey, you know, I'd like to just say, it's all on all of us, but our, our, our the people watching have no idea the plot of this movie or oh, really wow. any of the setup oh, whatsoever. Right. You know, we kind of launched into our personal feelings and uh, stuff without even setting the table. So I, I think we need to go backwards a little bit and um, have Joe, you know, uh, if you'd like, tell us, just give us a pitch for what the movie is. Um, a young kid in an astronomy club sees something in the sky and uh, um, they determine that it's a comet and they determine that the, the path of the comet is going to hit the Earth. Um for a reason, for because of whatever, the guy who was supposed to deliver that information dies in a car crash, and the delivery of the information is delayed for, by a year. Um, so there's much less time now. Um, the president and the and and the, the president of the United States, once this information has been delivered to him, the president of the United by NASA, presumably whoever, the president of the United States, in the most amazing. The movie collaborates with the arch enemy of the United States, Russia, who built the biggest space uh, station in history and the biggest spacecraft in history. They collaborate to do this in an attempt to land on the comet, which is scientifically impossible because comets travel at up to 100,000 miles an hour, and drill into the comet and insert these nuclear bombs to blow the right. comet up in the sky, and it, right. it, it fails. And that's where, you know, uh, it Robert fails Duvall, or does it? 
well, it fails halfway, and then they they at the last minute there's, there's well, we don't need to get well, we don't want to spoil everything. So okay. like no, but I mean that's the setup. It's a comet. It's going to hit the Earth, right. and it and, and then it then it's a bit of a soap opera in it. I mean that in a positive way, yeah. a melodrama about the different. A lot of different people that are affected yeah. by this yeah, and a network of news people yeah. and politicians and astronauts and they're kind of somewhat connected but more just that it's a tapestry of of yeah. uh, the people a, that are affected by this the wonderful suburban families tapestry leo burt leo biederman uh biederman uh who the kid played by elijah woods uh he is the kid who the comet's actually named after him it's called the wolf biederman there were these two pieces. Um, He's the Jennifer Lawrence of this movie. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and his family um, uh, and the family of his girlfriend are kind of important characters, and they're affected hugely because one of the things that happens when they fail to blow the comet, you know, off course, is that a policy is put into place that no one over fifty is going to be safe. So they're going to take young people only to this bunker. Oh, the other <laughs> the bunker. Okay. So the president decides, as the president also ha announces that for the past year, we've been building a bunker in the limestone hills of Missouri. The last 20, 25 years. Large enough to house a million people for as long as two years. Yes. And they build it with all these things, you know, to, to all the supplies that they would need in the sea. Which is, looks, I think it's the same uh, place that where War Games takes place, the entrance uh, to the War Games uh, tunnels. What I like the most about that is that they also did all that in total secrecy. No one knew that no. the biggest, <laughs> the biggest spaceship and the biggest space no. station and the, the biggest no. bunker ever built was being done but you know what I, I i that's to me that makes total sense i we wouldn't and we don't know until well, they unveil it know. they're like look at that we're like i didn't know you were building that people, they were building it yeah they, they were building it when people made a lot of money while they were doing that they must have made a lot of money. so any do you have a particular story how did you get this gig a, a typical audition did she work was, with you on er or something no nah, it was a very it was a I was I was I was on a hot streak at that time. Cause she's you were on a hot streak, fresh off of what show? Were you just doing? Yeah, I was doing Seinfeld at the time. I was testing for one series after another and signing a lot of contracts and getting a lot of movies. Yeah, you were hard we to get, get on the phone the back then. Can we get to some of the stuff that's upsetting me though? Oh no, no. What 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 is your what is your uh, like? You're, you're, what are you, are you Greek, Italian? What is Erla? It's Basque. It's Basque. Okay. And yet here you are, you know, so cultural appropriation, all of this stuff, you're seen with the short straw, you, you get the wrong straw and, and your response is, well, that makes sense. Yes. What does that line mean? Why does it make sense? I know why it makes sense. Oh, and I think everybody in the audience knows why it makes sense. It's because it's, 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 it's the one Jew in the movie. It's the one Jew in the movie? Well, you think that, that Bruce Rubin wrote, put that in for a reason? The writer? <laughs> yeah, well, that Bruce makes Rubin. sense. Let's why just let, let the Jew, Jew die. die. <laughs> let the Jew <laughs> die. 
That's uh, actually one of my two favorite moments in the entire movie. You know, the, the, I think that what 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 it, it's all it always it never made sense to me uh, in this in the sense that they they didn't actually bother to put in the backstory a backstory that would make that make sense, and it was only justified a little with the kids' playroom scene where you just go, this is a guy who's been a businessman who's been who tried to be ambitious his whole life, and and blew it. Nah, for me, the name, the name alone, it all made sense. Know. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Monsters, <laughs> never knew my name was Monsters. Five thousand years of getting crapped on, I get the short straw. The wave's gonna not take me out. It totally yeah. makes sense to me. Totally, totally hear you. I have a couple totally other hear. questions. How yeah, come yeah. Kevin Dunn is not in this movie? Oh. Yeah, I, he must. Am I right? No, you should. There's, there's, there's that, that. I, you know, that makes. That stopped me cold because that is a completely true statement. Why? Right. Something like, terrible isn't, happened isn't, here. Isn't he the guy who would say to the president, "Yeah, but Mr. President, you can't do blah yeah. blah blah"? Yeah, the numbers the polling, just don't show that we can do it. That the kind of polling thing. will uh, go off the maps if we do that. I actually thought that the people around the president uh, were. It was fairly. It was. It, they were all just dry, cold, completely governmental. You know, not assholes, but they were very, very severe. And I thought that was a like Kevin Dunn would have probably added a tone of comedy, you know, comedy to that. And they didn't want that. Look, look at what Morgan Freeman did. I mean, God bless him. It was it was anticipating and sort of normalizing the idea of an African American president. You know, the, we, that, that that was yeah. a huge thing for them to do to say, no, you're going to be. It was the first time we'd ever seen that. No film had ever done this before. So I thought it was an amazing choice. And Morgan Freeman gets a home run because he's so he's so severe. He's so calm. He's probably the most calm actor I've ever seen in my life. And he sits in front of the camera and he goes, we're all going to die. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do Morgan Freeman. But you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's amazing. He's amazingly. Another thing I have to say both. is you, Joe Erla, Got to work with Maximilian Shell, <laughs> who, who on this show we like to refer to as Maximum Shell. Maximum, Maximum Schnell. Can I tell that story? And we also have to, yes, please. But first, Tony and I have to say one thing, yeah. which we have to say every time Maximilian Shell's name <laughs> comes up, which is, you ready? Yeah. In. In. Through. through and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> Sorry, we just—that's our little, our little homage to the black hole. Sure. We have to do it. Tell the Maximilian Shell okay. story. The one day, we are—we're uh, shooting an office scene, and uh, the direct, the, the producer, one of the producers. Um, oh God, which uh, Zanuck, Richard Zanuck. Uh, big time producer, Paramount producer. Uh, maybe was he Dreamlight? I don't know. But he, he was. He no, produced no, he Jaws. This guy. He yeah, was Richard big. Zanuck. Richard Zanuck comes comes onto the set, very excitedly. Comes onto the set, looking for Mimi. For Mimi later. Comes on the set. And he sees Mimi. Mimi. We got Maximilian Shell. We got Maximilian Shell to play the father. I need to talk to you right now. 
And, and Mimi goes, everybody take 15, right? And they go off into an, into an office. And we're sitting there looking at each other going, whoop, they got maximum shell, wow, they got maximum shell. Well, 15 minutes then became like an hour. The writer came in, Ruben came in, they all went into this room. The scene, the shoot of that particular scene was put on hold and put on the schedule for the next day in the morning. And we arrive the next day and there's 30 pages, 30 new pages of script. And they have taken the storyline that was Vanessa Redgrave, hers, she played the mother of Taya Leone. They had taken basically her storyline and given it to Maximilian Schell. Yeah, of um, course they would, because Vanessa Redgrave's just, you know, uh, some hack, right? She's, she's just some slouch. She's a slouch, and, it's, it's, you know, she, and she's a Palestinian loving. She wasn't in the black hole. So they gave, they, they made the reconciliation, an important moment at the end when the mother and the, and the daughter were supposed to reconcile while the wave comes and kills them. That was given to Maximilian Schell. And I, I thought, we scuttlebutt, we thought that the reason that they did that was had nothing to do with anything other than uh, foreign boxing. I, I, I would love confused. to have been there when they told Vanessa, um, when she thought she was shooting for another three weeks, they're like, okay, we're doing the bedroom scene. and uh, No, no dialogue. This is the scene where you put on some jewelry and, and you kill yourself because that's the end of your part. Sorry. So we're doing. So that day when we got the 30 pages, right, new pages, and we see that not only did they give that scene in front when the wave hits to Maximilian Shell, but now, <laughs> it's awful. But now Vanessa Redgrave's character kills herself. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So that wasn't in the original script, Tony. That was a change that happened more than halfway through the shooting of the movie. And Vanessa was on set that day when we <laughs> oh got those 30 pages. Oh no. Coming up. So we're shooting this office scene and suddenly Mimi has to leave the set because Vanessa is furious. Do you think? Show. You think? <laughs> what I mean? They didn't anticipate that. Right. So, so oh. I see it now. I can't. Every I watch, I watch the movie, and I'm like, I see the rage in Vanessa's performance, and every scene that followed that, you know, that moment. Everything that they shot after that change was made. I see. I look at her, and I go, Oh, shoot. Oh, I would be pissed too. Wow, oh that's rough. That is that is that is tough, man. Mad as hell, and she's not going to take it anymore. And then you know, and then go ahead, Matthew. They Sorry. had to get Maximilian Shell because you know he was in the other great tidal wave movie, Krakatoa, East of Java. <laughs> and then you got to put him in another great tidal wave movie. Uh, yeah, he's he's the most interesting man in the world, Maximilian Shell. He he doesn't need Dosekis. He's so cool looking and he's got that weird accent. Well, I he is responsible for the biggest laugh that I've had all last year, this entire fiscal year. Which one? Maximilian. No, in this movie. <laughs> oh. In this movie, his 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 la he has a he has a final line that I, I had to stop the film. I, I was laughing so hard I that I, I had to stop. Your head. Yeah. I you so what funny. what's his last line? 
she said they're standing on the be- look <laughs> i'm gonna I, I i this is gonna drop on instagram i've got the clip it's there they have a moment on the beach where they come together and they're gonna you know make amends i guess for the past and she in in deference to being honest with each other and in this new space she says to him uh, and they're waiting for the tidal wave to hit they're standing on a beach they're looking at the water receding and they're about to die and they know that there's nowhere they can go and she says um when i was 13 i i stole 30 dollars from you something like that and he smiles and he kind of looks at her and he goes when you were a baby i once dropped you on your head and i we amelia and i stopped the movie and we were laughing i think for 10 minutes it was it hit us it hit us really hard and um there's something about i mean there's something about the way he delivers it that that is uh it looks like he's about to crack up himself it looks like he might start laughing you worked with him was he full of jokes and and fun on the set uh or was he um all business well i i wouldn't say i worked you did. You I, worked with them more than anybody here. I, inter- I, inter- no, I, I, I interacted with him in a very perfunctory way, perfunctory way a couple times over at lunch. You know, I okay. never seen him. His stuff was always with, with Taya Leone and only with Taya Leone. You know, like he is the biggest star in his part of the world. Like in, he's, he's Austrian, I think, I, is he I, not? something I, i'm saying i think they went for the european market i think oh they, he is huge like he fills concert he, fill, he he filled concert halls as a pianist and as a recitalist and a wow i mean he played beethoven uh, to thousands of people in concert like he he did a lot of crazy things because he was man, maximum shell maximum yeah. shell maximum okay shell. there's a couple of things that we do every week on this show yeah. Um, we want you to play along with us. Um, oh, uh, I do want to mention also my other favorite moment in the movie. One of them was you. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, the other was Duval reading Moby Dick to Ron yeah. Eldard. I know. I Just know. that moment. He plays, he makes that work. Yeah. It's a beautiful moment. I don't know if there are many actors who could have, who could have done that. You know what I mean? But we do. Um, can I say do, before we end the show? Can I say what? We're not ending. I just have. Other oh, things. I thought you were moving on to closers because I have other no, things not, that I liked. Not, yeah. Oh, let's go to things that you liked. Well, I just want to celebrate the fact that Joe, you know, in a major motion picture, Joe got to say the line. He got to say, "Son of a." Bitch, he actually got to say that in a close-up, and I think it was actually a track-in. Yes, that was a good one. No, so congratulations, you you did you are you are in deeply entrenched in a Hollywood like trope that that has uh, that's got legs. Can I can I tell you a little uh, a little uh, fun fact that no one will ever 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 know? This movie until you tell us is the only movie in which the only two actors ever born, ever born in Pontiac, Michigan, appear together. You? Laura Ennis and I. Okay. Happened to both be born in Pontiac, Michigan, and we're both in Deep Impact. And look it up. Don't be aggressive with me, sir. I'll look it up if I want to. (laughs) 
Actually, Donna McKechnie might have been born in Perhaps. But she's not really a Pontiac. I have a question. Um, who 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 had the problem with with Jolt Cola? Because Jolt Cola is responsible for the everybody dying, the whole thing. Oh, the, the truck driver. The truck driver is drinking. The only the only overt product placement happens very early, and it's a negative product placement, which I don't understand. Oh, I, I guess Jolt doesn't have a lot of power or play or they didn't or something but the try the driver's distracted because he's drinking jolt uh jolt yeah. cola yeah interesting which i, I don't know if it, it still exists if it doesn't you kids out there who i know listen to this in the droves uh, it's a it was a high caffeine uh sody sody pop yeah uh, i also notice in this movie uh it's interesting we discovered that russians don't have families or loved ones of course not um, because at the end, when all of the astronauts are saying goodbye to all their loved ones, Russians don't have loved ones. No. Um, and yeah, yeah. I want to. That's true. I want. I've noticed well, this. I, I want to add one little thing, if I could, which is a missed theme, or I sort of very important. It has my favorite mo- moment in the movie is actually the little pimple-faced kid in the high school auditorium who says, to "Great, dude, I yeah. to." So you're going to get a lot more sex now. You're going to more sex than any of us now that you're famous, right? Yeah. So there's the idea that fame leads to more sex. It's, it's yeah. firmly stated by the movie. And the movie has a lot to do with sex. It's like the implication is that, um, that Lily and Frodo are going to get up to the top of that mountain and they're going to have to recreate the human race. I mean, there's this, you know what I mean? Well, they already have a baby, though. They've got one already. But so they, they don't need to do that. That line, yeah. that kid, yeah, an improv. That was not a scripted line. Amazing. Do you, yeah. Is this a true? Because because it's so beautiful and and yeah. I, 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 it sticks out. It it's, it's it literally had us both. Used. It's it really it's really good. Yeah, it's a great great moment. Um, I, um there are a list of things. Sorry. Interesting bit of trivia: the uh, meeting in the kitchen between the president of the United States and the reporter who he doesn't want to spill the beans. Do you know where that was shot? Oh, no, where? In the kitchen at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, which is where RFK was shot. Oh, my God. Oh, that's creepy. That that is really creepy. That's creepy. I guess they get that place really cheap. Nobody wants to shoot (laughs) there. Nobody. It's like, yeah. You can buy this house. Why is it so inexpensive? Oh, somebody was. Oh, Charlie Manson there. lived there. It's nothing. Uh, no, no reason. Um, so there, this, you have other favorite moments. Yeah, I have things uh, I was going to yeah, say, uh, mention. I I thought while we're talking about things that were just not quite believable on the top of my list would be the great Ron Eldard. I love him. Love Ron Eldard. But I don't believe anybody would jump up and down on top of a nuclear device, nor would they be able to in weightless space. So I have a problem with the whole physics of that. That's crazy. You know, I have a nuclear bomb on a drill that they're trying to drill down, so he decides to go down the hole and jump up and down on it, which she couldn't even do, even if it was a good idea. Craziness. However, on the flip side of that, that sequence just like the, as a sequence of them escaping the asteroid when all 
hell's breaking loose. Pretty great job. I like, think the movie was pretty ahead, not ahead of its time, but but it was it. CGI the effects were pretty, pretty tight. Pretty, well, yeah, it was also it was a lot of practical cool. effects and big yeah. sets and stuff yeah. they were incorporating, yeah. and you know, um, and one of so the nice great job. traffic jams, a spectacular, oh, traffic unbelievable, jam. unbelievable traffic jam, and an incredible uh, arrival of the comet. I thought it, it was it was really terrifying Good. when that comet passed through the the atmosphere. 18, and I also eighteen hundred cars in that traffic jam. Oh, I love these little these on a uh, on a on a highway uh, extension that was still being built wow. in Virginia. So it was wow. empty and they could use it. Matthew, that's awesome. That's awesome. But it's I love it. Alternate title for the film. Best years of our death, maybe. <laughs> OK, that's a good alternate <laughs> title. Tony and I do a thing every week. We do the double feature. Um that we would do with this movie what what movie would you do a, a double what double feature would you do with this film joe what do you mean like the uh, I don't look up stole basically everything uh you know no how would you like like if you wanted to do a gonna funny hang or... out and see it see see a double bill go to a double feature how what would you what would you put with this movie as a double bill or would you just like hate that question so much you wouldn't even answer it? Well, my first, my first, I, I'm going to have to think a little bit about it because I, I don't, I wouldn't want, I mean, Deep Impact, as we've talked about it, it's, it's, it's a melodrama. It's, it's so over the top emotional. Uh, although it has incredible pleasures, I believe. Uh, it's still a heartstring. It's going for your heartstring. I would want something that's completely, you know, the opposite of that like like um guardians of the galaxy like something that is that is uh completely the opposite space travel but silly you know uh, okay uh, antidote to the emotion a release of the emotion that you that you're asked to pull up with a feel and deep impact i'd want something that's funny okay anthony what well you I, for me i think there's only literally one way to go here i i don't know that we're i mean oh, why even stop why even why, go any further why ask me first then the black hole i, I really think black that the black hole, hole is the perfect uh double bill here it okay. shares some interesting dna and it is that comedic antidote but it's very deadly serious it's in fact as serious so, okay i go. had i had two different ways that i went one way was picking up on the theme of let's tell one story but jump all over the place to many different people right many different storylines in one movie so one of the movies that i would pair it with would be love actually <laughs> that's a good choice right? that's really good and then the other idea i had was maybe too easy it's actually a triple feature with deep throat and sudden impact that's for the adults. For the that's adults. definitely a, good, a way to go as well. Yeah, I would, I would, I would pair it with a movie that hasn't been produced yet, which is the movie that I wrote after doing this movie, which is called Deeply Impacted. That was the first. Deeply Impacted. It was that about was somebody dealing wisdom teeth. It was not. It's about a <laughs> about a about a disaster movie that is you know deeply impacted by the arrival of another disaster movie um, at the same time. You know? With bigger stars. Uh, uh, yeah. 
I think the satire deeply impacted right after Deep Impact would be perfect. Well, another thing Tony and I do at every show now is uh, we each have to say, I have to say who I would play and I think he would play. <laughs> or or which, not, not who we would play, but which character is me and which character is him. And he has to do the same thing. So uh, I did... Um, I did make a decision about that. Um, <laughs> oh, great. I can't wait. I made well, a decision about it, too. You did? Yeah. All right. What I have written down is that I am Charles Martin Smith, who uh, just dies at yeah. the beginning of the movie. He's so good, though, isn't he? Come on. I love him. He is fantastic. I, love, I, I do, I too. I love Charles Martin Smith. And... You're John. You're John Favreau, who goes floating off into space. You're a you're a you're a bastard. You're a dirty, <laughs> dirty bastard. Who knows? Um, he's right. I he's right. I thought for a minute that I was Favreau. I was going to cast myself as that too. Oh, we but were, I, okay. So I was. But I, I was wrong. Who are you? I'm actually Joe. I'm I'm Joe's character, and you are Richard oh, yeah, Schiff. You're right. You are Joe's character, <laughs> like because that's it's it's Stavros. Yeah, yeah. And you are Richard okay. Schiff. I'm Richard Schiff. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It was cool to see Richard Schiff, relatively young. I mean, he had such a long career. Yeah. Uh, after that, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I I mean, to me, he's just always been on television. Like I've yeah. never not seen it turned I mean, on the TV and seen him. So I can't tell if this is in the middle of his career or earlier on. I don't know. It's interesting seeing him relatively young, looking exactly the same as he does when Incredible. he's not relatively young. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Wait. Are you so? Is this is this who you are now? Like, I mean, what? What version of yourself? Because I the I'm real so the, the real person, the, the real like yeah, like just our, our who we are in our soul. We our, are our zeitgeist. Who would we be? Yeah, not the part we'd get cast in. Right. Who but, we but who, uh, who represents us? Yeah. It's usually a short, very very short part. You're the biggest. You're the biggest role I've ever gotten. I'm Leo Peterman. It's that. That's what I, I completely connected with. Uh, with Leo Biederman's character uh, because he's a science geeky type kid. Yeah. Like I was at the time. And, you know, he was like athletic. He's like an action hero at 14. I mean, that's the thing I think is most impressive about his performance is he pulls it off. He's kind of an action hero. That race to get the girlfriend, his, it's impressive. He rides that dirt bike, man. He's, he's, He's really cool. well. They cut to him arriving on a dirt bike. I wouldn't I say that he, well, you know, okay. actually. It looks like it. It looks like it's. Look, I think this is a, you know, I mean, maybe it's really super obvious, but I really think that this would be uh, a slightly different conversation, but an obvious choice for you know one of these new Netflix series. This is the kind of thing that now they spread out over a multi-part show. Uh, they don't really make movies like this much anymore, you know, like expensive dramas, because this is really more of a drama than a disaster movie. It's not really a disaster movie until the very end of the film. Most of the movie is just personal interaction and grief, and it feels like a long running, like a long show that you get to know these multiple characters on, on and 
I think, you know, there's, you can, you could look at it and be like, I think I thought it was a lot schmaltzier when it came out than I do now. That's what I felt. Yeah. And now I think, um, what I, what I see is like this director elevating the intentions of the studio and the craziness of all of it yep. to a pretty solid place of, you know, of the kind of drama you'd see on a good TV show, even even back then, like you can just see her going back to her her roots of how she just knew how to make scenes work with people. Yeah. And there's not like there's some there's some writing that's not great. There's some things that happen that they could have written better. But I feel like everything is really handled well with with this in the scenes with the actors. It feels like, you know, watchable, realistic. Taya Leone's really really great to watch i don't know if she's that like I, I don't know what she's doing it just seems so natural so i don't know was she yeah. like a seasoned they, actor at that point no no it was a very risky thing to give Taylor leone the lead in this that's movie. what i thought a big budget movie like that and it, it really paid off i thought yeah I think, well i think Taylor, you know Taylor leone they also hamstrung her i thought the writing hamstrung her a little bit because i would have I, I she needed to grow more but if she had grown into the role of, you know, of just young, ambitious, deer in the headlights reporter who gets thrust into the spotlight and is now the person all of America is looking to for the information about what's going to happen to all of them, she remained deer in the headlights the whole time because her storyline needed to be resolved. She saw it an emotional journey that had to be resolved with her mother at, or her father in order for her growth to occur so she didn't she didn't approach it the way like a Charlize Theron would have perhaps done that part but Charlize Theron would have like been the ambitious reporter and then she's put in front of the camera and she would have gone boom and clicked into now I'm where I'm supposed to be but because she was supposed to be unformed as a human being she remained sort of vulnerable and sort of not very good at her job. And that was intentional. I, I thought that was a great choice. I really did. I mean, I, I thought that, you know, she gets the job in the first place. I mean, not not being nefarious, but she angles to kind of get this better yeah, yeah, position totally, to do it totally. and actually like confronts the president and starts yeah. bargaining with the president. So she's got a lot of chutzpah. It would have been too much if she was also excellent at it. I, I can't you know. I think you could make a great, it's a great argument that that, that, that sort of uh, not slick part of her uh, is, is uh, huge and important. But the thing is, it captures what, what, but they, they also do a smart thing. One of the smart things the movie really does do in the writing is to turn around and go, you're coming with you. You're important now. You're coming with us. It's not because she's a smart newscaster. Yeah. It's because people see her vulnerability yeah. and her realism. Yeah. And they see themselves in her and that's why they need her to go at the end. So it's, it's actually really smart. You know, I, I think, and that's, what's funny is that there's like really smart things about the script or like the pink pages probably. And then there's really stupid things about the blue pages, which who knows who wrote them, when they came in, what was going on. It was so, it was so panicked. It was, it was so much anxiety during the yeah. shoot. You know, on. But then you, you do see in her the roots of how she becomes secretary of state and then president. Completely same character. I believe that arc. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry, different, different show. He was a really nice person. I would also say that, and I think it's important to note that whenever you experience it with people who have become stars. She was super nice to me when I worked with her. I didn't, I met her. I was working on the same movie. We didn't work together, but we just ran into each other at, you know, at the crafty and she was really nice. There was nothing, no pretenses. No, she was generous and kind and friend and really like friendly and just, yeah. Nothing, she nothing. let you have that last little tube of whoppers. Um so um do we are do you wanna are we recasting this movie as well? Oh yeah, we should recast it. I didn't there there's there, there's such a huge cast. I wasn't able to You gotta do, pick your battles here, but you yeah, know, I, I got a I got a good portion a of, of it. I got a little bit done. I got um, eight I got eight recasts here. You got eight recasts? yeah wow wow um i only got uh three no six i'm sorry six i only got three recasts all right who, who who's uh who's who's your recast uh robert duval is played by tommy lee jones okay very all interesting right. very interesting taya leone emma stone okay oh, oh i see all that right. yeah and Charles Martin Smith, Johnny Galecki from from Big yeah. Bang Theory. Yeah, okay. That's what you got. That's that's all I got. That's a disappointing. I you, <laughs> I feel you could have spent more time on it. Oh oh really? Um, okay. <laughs> the choices were good. Just that there weren't that many of them. I mean, okay, there were a lot so of people I here. Do, I got to do more. All right. For my Taylioni, I picked. Uh, Ana de Armas, okay, uh, and uh, in keeping with that, I thought that um, I thought that Andy Garcia would be a very good Maximilian Shell, <laughs> um, and I thought that it would be really interesting and and kind of an interesting choice for for you know for somebody like Denzel to take the Duval part. He has never really taken a, a small but powerful supporting role before, but in something this expansive, I think uh, Denzel could do that as the that older astronaut. That would be spectacular. Yep. I good. think the president is guaranteed Keanu Reeves, and um, <laughs> Elijah Wood would have to turn into Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. I, oh um, I think, and she okay. she's in love here. They are in love with a, 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 a with another person who made. You know, it's either it's either you know another girl or some. They're both you know in transition or something about that would be in play here definitely. So, okay, I'll buy all of them. Um, and then uh, El, Ron Eldard would now be Dev Patel. Okay. Don't look at me like that. Don't <laughs> no, you no, ever was, either was... of you ever look at me like that again? I'm just trying to understand. Uh, this is driven by fan feedback that they've said to you. We want you to do the recast. No, Joe, this no. is an entertaining, fun game that we play on the show. That's we so, like because doing it's it. funny. Yeah, but we I didn't like know, to do I didn't know it. it was coming, and I, I, I can't participate. Uh, we like be... we like you to laugh at our Joe. That's we just hope we and, wanted and, somebody and to Joe, laugh at what we say. Joe, we love the we love the idea that you think there's fan feedback on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Are you expecting fan feedback after the show? Yeah. No. My, phone, my phone is not ringing, but it's going to. <laughs> 
Joe, were you responsible for the choice for them to fly up through the tail of the comet with all the debris and asteroids <laughs> flying at them, or was that, that not your idea? Thank you for bringing that up because I had in my thinking about it, I was like, I wanted to remind or just say that's an incredibly implausible event in the movie. It, it really felt like they should have just fl flown ahead of it and yeah, I, uh, yeah, around it. But no, they potentially. Then every every and somehow it was it, this was the the it was an attempt to to legitimize the myth of Robert Duvall's character as right. capable of doing something that none of them were capable of doing right. Mm. So he had to be able to fly through this thing that's traveling a hundred thousand miles an hour. Yeah, it's crazy. Dodge the dodge the boulders. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Right, to land on on a comet, which I want to I don't know if you remember Tony. That once he got through the tail of that comet, that comet was no longer moving. The shot where the spaceship lands on the comet, yeah, the comet is static. It's not. Okay, well, but isn't that I what have, it would be like, though? But no. I have to. I have well, to explain a couple of things about science and gravity. It does not have gravity. Whoa! So, too many smart people talking at once. Comet, Comet that small, a piece of rock that small has no gravity, almost none at all, zero gravity. So you can't land on it and walk around on it. You can only travel, try to reach a matching speed with it at 100,000 miles an hour and then sort of like send something I out. I know, but Joe, Ron Eldar jumped so on a nuclear device. They, they, they tether to that. That made a certain amount of sense. They tether to it. But so here's the science question I want to ask you. Yeah. You say not possible for them to land on something moving 100,000 miles an hour. Yeah. And I take issue with that because spacecraft science. do land on something traveling 100,000 miles an hour all the time. Never Every been. time a space shuttle comes and lands back on the planet, yeah. how fast is the Earth? Are the fastest moving things in the universe. They 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 literally are racing through the universe uh, at speeds that are that are unheard of. Uh, just you know, I mean I don't want to get into an argument about it but but okay. That's but the if one you could thing that, the one thing that scientists looking at at, at deep impact said was I really don't think that's possible. You can't But the only reason the only reason it's not possible is not because the comet's moving so fast. But because they can't get the spaceship moving as fast as it. Because if you could get if you could get the ship moving as fast as it, then by relativity, they're they're both going zero miles an hour. There's no there's no uh, the whole thing of the drilling all the, all that's completely. Hey, listen, you know, I mean, listen, we can argue about the science, but at the end of the day, Ron Eldard's last line is stolen from E.T. and. Uh, I, I, I feel that was a cheat, and I don't know why there what wasn't was a lawsuit. What was his last line? Be good. And they're making an E.T. reference, I know. He's like, he's a person, but he, now he's an alien, and he's talking to his kid. Be be good. Anyway. Spielberg was, Spielberg was the producer for this movie. Sure. Uh, right. International. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That makes well, total sense. It was an E.T. reference on purpose, so yeah. I got that. I also do want to say, just shout out. Did anybody notice the marquee in the movie theater in Times Square? No. Fire in the Sky was the movie playing. That was always a nice little touch. 
Moving right along with other scintillating bits of news and tidbits of information. <laughs> All right. I think we have we have had deep we've done deep impact. Amazing. I think we've done it. Next right. week next week I have some earth shaking news about what the movie is for next week. <laughs> yes, there you go. Hey, what do you know? Yes, Nine... in case you didn't guess, we're doing uh, all disaster movies this month. Yes, um, next week, Earthquake. The following week, The Core. Which is both a disaster movie and a disaster movie. <laughs> disaster. Of a movie. Wow. Um, so please join us next week like us really like us you know all of that stuff tell your friends and joe it has been great having you here. Um, just honored and, and thrilled thank you so much thanks for I being had here this much fun with you since we had that that incredible agua chile at that uh mexican <laughs> restaurant a few months yeah. ago where the wind was blowing so hard yeah. <laughs> before we sign off joe do you have anything you want to plug anything you're working on any uh thing you want to announce or even just uh if you want to tell anybody to you know to f off you can do that now yeah i i just I, right now i would like novak Djokovic to just say goodbye to the world of tennis that's all well um <clears throat> i heard the greatest pun ever well one of the greatest puns ever this past week that Novak Djokovic may be the best tennis player, but Australia had the best return of Serb. <laughs> anyway. Works for me. So stick around after we sign off. We do, you know, we have drinks in the green room um, after we sign off. So you don't have to go away. Awesome. I'm sure All he right? can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming. Good night, everybody. Good night. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.